Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Training camps are starting. It's QB week at CBS Sports. It's a big, big, big show here on Fantasy Football Today. And that's Dave Richard getting excited. Jamie, get excited. Woo! There it is. There it is. We have so much for you today on this show. I'm Heath Cummings. Adam Azer out for one more show. This is going to be awesome, though. Sleeper quarterbacks, 2QB draft review. We're putting Alvin Kamara, Kamara under the microscope. We've got training cam notes. We've got your emails. But we've got to start with the big news. Josh Gordon, not at the start of training camp. The team has placed him on the non-football illness list. Gordon released a statement that included saying every in, he has every intention of being ready and available to join my teammates soon to help bring winning football to our fans. The NFL with an odd statement saying there's no timetable for his return and they will comment at an appropriate time. Adam Schefter did tweet Browns wide receiver Josh Gordon did not have any slip ups or failed tests per sources. His leave is a proactive, defensive gesture to get extra counseling to try to ensure he does not have any of the setbacks that have marked his past. Those who know him say he has worked his ass off. Thoughts? It's interesting, isn't it? But uh, I, there, there was a report from NFL media saying that there was no suspension uh, coming and that everything seems to be on the up and up, and this is just something that he needs to do before he gets into the full season of football. So I, I, I don't know how to read it. I can understand why people would be scared to take him because there's now uncertainty around Josh Gordon. And if you're drafting, I think you should try to take advantage of those people who are uncertain to draft Josh Gordon for the next week to two weeks. There is certainly a place in the draft where you could take advantage of it. Third or fourth round was about where his ADP was before this news. Does yep. this change your opinion at all, Jimmy? If, if he's there week one, Nothing's changed. If he misses all of training camp, it downgrades him a little bit. But, I mean, he's he still has the ability to, to do what he did in five games last year, which was with terrible quarterback play, with no preparation. As far as I know, he's been there all offseason prior to this. Yes. So there there's obviously something that he feels he needs to get done or was planned to get done before the start of the season. There's some thought that maybe he's trying to avoid hard knocks. Uh, and, and putting his story, you know, at least with his own words to it, um, to the show. I, I don't know if that's the case, but as long as there's no suspension, as long as he's on target to be there for the start of the season and plays in some preseason games, I understand being afraid of it when you're comparing him to the two Vikings guys, Thielen and Diggs, to Demarius Thomas, to Allen Robinson, to Mari Cooper, to the guys that are in the range that he's being drafted against, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, which, whichever – uh, guys you want to throw up there. I get it. If you, if you want to avoid him, you avoid him. But also understand you're avoiding immense upside. And it, it appeared that prior to today and today's report that everything was going well for Josh Gordon. I hope that's the case. Uh, I think we all have people in our lives that have dealt with substance abuse or know someone that's dealt with substance abuse. Clearly, we want him to get his life on track. I'll speak for myself. I want him to get his life on track, um, first and foremost. But, uh, you know, hopefully he's... He's ready to play come week one. And if you get, as we saw uh, in in that magical 2013 season, 2013, right? Yeah, that's when it was. Um, 
that he could be uh, the best of the best. And so better quarterback play, better system, talent around him. There's a lot to like about Josh Gordon, so hopefully he's right. So we're not adjusting rankings as of today. We may revisit in a week. That's how I feel. Yeah, but I understand people that are drafting now. You know, I mean, if you're doing startup dynasty, if you're doing, you know, your league drafts early, uh, you got to make keeper decisions. It, it, it certainly has to factor into it. Same thing with uh, suspended players already, you know, making decisions on Mark Ingram and Julian Edelman and, and Jameis Winston's, making decisions on Ezekiel Elliott a year ago, it, 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 Le'Veon Bell and his contract situation. You know, these are all things that are factors that unfortunately take away from these guys, and you just hope that, in, in Gordon's situation, that he could play and play come week one. Does it make you feel any better that there's no report out there that says, well, something is amiss or something's wrong? Everything that we've heard from pretty much every single I, I, NFL I, I, writer I, is that you, there it, is no it, suspension There's only one, one thing that makes me pause, and it's Brian McCarthy's statement that will address it at a later time. And that in itself, everything you said, no suspension, no slip-up, we don't know of anything – uh, that's being reported, and and certainly the the Cleveland media is great. You know, uh, from Mary Kay Cabin on down. You know, they do a great job of uh, breaking news when it happens, and, and and everything that goes along with it. Uh, the newsbreakers around the NFL. You know, they haven't said of anything that is problematic, at least as of now, for him. But it's that one little sentence. We'll address that at a later time. They could say it's not an issue from our standpoint. It's something the team is handling, and they seem to have a, a good grasp on. That would make me feel better. Well, it is quarterback week. Let's move to sleeper QBs. We'll start with you, Jamie. Derek Carr, your sleeper quarterback outside of the top 20 quarterbacks in ADP right now. There, there's 45 quarterbacks that qualify sleepers this year. So, you know, <laughs> he, he's he's going to be better than he was a year ago. He gets a better coach, uh, at least in theory. Uh, I would anticipate John Gruden helping Derek Carr. I would anticipate Amari Cooper playing better, having, you know, like Jordy Nelson, Michael Crabtree, you know, to me, they're somewhat similar. Uh, I, I would certainly take Crabtree with the Raiders at this point than Nelson with the Raiders after what I saw from him last year. But, you know, they're going to be touchdown dependent. Um, Martavis Bryant is an added element that he didn't really have last year. I think you'll see Jared Cook, you know, at least play like he did last season, which, you know, could 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 be a good fourth option. So there, there are nice weapons there for, for Carr. And two years ago, before he broke his leg, he was on pace to be potentially the NFL MVP. So he's got upside given what you can get from you draft him as a number two guy you take him with one of your last picks but he could be one of those guys that fall into that top 12 category the year that he hurt his leg how many yards did he throw for do you know that he hasn't thrown for four thousand yards yet but was he on pace to do it he he would have done it that year yep i I think the other good news is we looked at the schedule and i believe there's only one potential cold weather game on the schedule so that that won't get in your way it's a tough division i mean obviously the chiefs i think will still be good enough defensively the chargers defense especially those corners are great and Denver's defense is still going to be very tough. But um, just he, he's a throwaway pick, and he's a right. throwaway pick that can get you huge upside. We're going to review our 2QB draft a little bit later in the show. He's more of a 2QB sleeper, right? Like you're not drafting oh, him sure, in the next 1QB sure. But, but uh, again, he could be Jared Goff. He could be Carson Wentz. He could be Alex Smith. He could just be one of those guys that by the end of the season, you're like, maybe I could have started him week in, week out. Do you feel good starting him against the Rams or at the Broncos? Not particularly. Those are his first two matchups. So, but I do just just yeah. going right in line with that. If you're taking Derek Carr, you're talking about one of your last three picks. And not so a great you're guy. Take to, him. Not a great guy to pair with Jameis Winston. No, that no. would be bad. <laughs> uh, but you know who is though? Ryan Tannehill. 
Tannehill okay. opens the season against Tennessee, then he's at the Jets, then he's got Oakland at home. It's not horrible. That's pretty good. That's, That's pretty if good. you're really desperate well, for I, a guy. I, I'll tell you, I did that in our 2QB league. I took Winston as my second quarterback, and I was like, who could I pair with him as a third guy? That's just how I stumbled upon it. Was I didn't take Tannehill because somebody took him before me, but I thought 2QB league, that's a good combo. Dave, your sleeper is Matt Ryan, and we may have an argument. Once upon a time, on this podcast, one of us was very, very bearish on Matt Ryan saying he's not going to be as good as he was the year before, and he was right. That man was Heath Cummings who predicted correctly that touchdown regression would come for Matty Ice after the 38 that he had in 2016. But you didn't tell me it was going to fall like by half. <laughs> yeah, he's been the king of wild swings. He had, what, 3.5% touchdown rate in 2015. Had the amazing 2016 where he's just off the charts. Yeah. And then it fell down to 3.8 again last year. And he had the same amount of pass attempts. It's not like the offense changed and he was forced to shrivel up and not throw the football. His receivers dropped the ball 34 times. That's a lot. Eight from Julio Jones, including a couple in the end zone that would have at least helped push that 20 touchdown mark a little bit higher. But everything is the same for Matt Ryan with one nice exception. Calvin Ridley's there. And I think he's going to help take coverage away from Julio Jones. I know that sounds ridiculous for a rookie, but Calvin Ridley's a good player. And now that offense is even more dangerous than it was two years ago when Matt Ryan had a big year. I just have the feeling that he takes another one of those wild swings and he bounces back to the positive. And like Derek Carr, he's a guy you can draft late. I don't know if he's going to be one of your... Uh, I, I don't think you're getting Matt Ryan in the last round, but I think you could get him around round 10. His, his second season with uh, an offensive coordinator, and I think he said four, if I'm not mistaken, um, there's been positive steps taken. It hasn't always been great, but the, if you take the average of them because of the year with Kyle Shanahan, he has like a, a dramatic leap in average from his year one to year two. But we saw it with Shanahan. We saw it with, I think Malarkey was his first offensive coordinator, Mike Malarkey, uh, from his rookie year to his second year. And I think he's just one of those guys that takes a little bit while, takes a little bit of time to adjust to a new system, unfortunately. That, that could be it. My only issue with Ryan this year is, and you mentioned the pass attempts didn't change last year. Yep. But he's been right around 530 the last two years. And you look at the touchdown rate, it was 3.4, 3.8. Those are just t- terribly low numbers. We shouldn't expect it to be that low. But Can you co- explain that number, by the way, That's for the people n- who don't know? 3.8% of his passes last year. Or touchdowns, not completions. Passes, passes. total yes. number. Yes. So, so what's a good what's a good touchdown? Over five percentage? is good. Okay. His career is four point six. Okay. He hasn't been higher than four point six in the last five years, except for that crazy season. It's been four, for the MVP season. Four, four point five, three point four, seven point one, three point eight. Well, if you take five hundred and thirty pass attempts and just give him his career touchdown rate of four point six percent, that's twenty four touchdown passes. Right. That's and you'd want more than that from him, sure. You, you I think he can that, do yeah. better than that this year. I, I think he I can. I think Julio goes up from three touchdowns to at least four. No, I think Julio can get eight or nine. I think Calvin Ridley could be good for seven. And I think everyone else can pitch in, and I think he can get close to 30. My sleeper is Phillip Rivers, and I just don't get it. He's the number 17 quarterback by ADP right now, 16 on some sides, maybe even as high as 14 or 15. Five straight years, his ADP has been outside of the top 12 quarterbacks. Five straight years, his final finish has been better than his ADP. At least 4,200 yards, at least 29 touchdowns, all five of those years. Why is Phillip Rivers' ADP so low? Because he's not sexy. Except to me. 
He's obviously pretty sexy to his wife. He's got like 14 kids. Well, and I've been a huge Philip Rivers fan for as long as I can remember. But in the fantasy community, I don't think he's viewed as a, as a dude that's got top five upside. That's probably I, fair. I, I, think, I think you look at him and you say, okay, he can probably get me some really nice weeks. And that's going to be the truth. But he's not – in a world where we've got quarterbacks that can get you 25 to 30 points per week, sometimes even gusts up to 35, Phillip Rivers just doesn't stand out compared to them. That's what it feels like. And so I think he's, he's, he's a good quarterback if you're waiting and maybe you wait a little too long. He's someone that you can take to be your starter to begin the season. He takes on Kansas City at home. I don't think that that's a terrible matchup for him. So if you're if you're in that boat, you find yourself in that situation on draft day, yeah, Rivers is there for you. Jared Goff is being drafted ahead of Phillip Rivers. Goff or Rivers? I'm taking Rivers. Same. Yeah, I think that – and we've gotten to the point now to where people are taking quarterbacks so late that, like Jamie said, almost everybody's a good quarterback sleeper. But Rivers feels like a pretty safe option if you wait until the end of the draft because he's obviously available in the last round of a lot of drafts. Let's get to the injury. I think he's my only quarterback in our magazine league because I waited and waited and waited. I I don't think that's a bad place to be. No, I'm fine with it. And if you're going to talk about the touchdown percentage number, Phillip has had at least 4.9% in one, two, three, four, five, five of the last six seasons. I think part of the place where he loses or the space where he loses is leagues with four points for passing touchdowns because – if the interceptions get out of control, as we saw from him, I think it was three or four years ago, um, he doesn't rush for anything. So Right. Oh, yes, for sure. Know, so the, those leagues could also be driving down his ADP, clearly. Same with Ryan, same with you know Carr, guys that don't, you know, the, the typical non-mobile quarterbacks. You do does, need to know your scoring system. Does Hunter Henry's injury also make Rivers look a little worse? I think it For makes now, him yeah. look a little worse. I Let's, think it's going to make him look a little worse whether Gates signs or let, not. Well, not, I'm not worried about Gates, but I want to see what Mike Williams does in training camp. He's, yeah, he's, he's the wild card, for sure, because I, I think we kind of know what Tyrell Williams is. He's, he's got an opportunity now with the targets available, but Mike Williams is the one that could certainly make Rivers top 10 oh, yeah. on draft day. Again, yeah, mm-hmm. right. So let's get to the injuries, news, and notes, and we start with another quarterback. Andrew Luck is good to go, according to Chris Ballard, and the Colts are always completely forthcoming with Andrew Luck's status, so we're just <laughs> going to take this for exactly what they're saying. How high have you moved Andrew Luck in your rankings from the beginning of the summer? I think he's moved up one spot, and it's because I've moved Matthew Stafford down. I moved Luck up because I had him outside my top 12, so he's uh, right now he's eighth. I, I, I may move him to seven. Um, if he does look and play in preseason games like Ballard is saying, because he's proven that when he's right, he's top five and, and could be as high as number one. Amazing consistency, right? Yep. He's missed 26 games since that 2014 season. Um, you know, if you want to throw out the lacerated kidney, because that's clearly something that's fluky. But the shoulder problem is, is something he's played through. Um, it's something that's causing him to miss the entire season. So there's big variance there uh, on, on what it's, you know, hurt him. But I do think that the offensive line for the Colts will be dramatically better. So the 41 sacks he took in 2016 should come down. And the, the hope would be is that someone emerges opposite Hilton. The tight ends, as long as they don't cannibalize each other, you know, play like, for Luck's perspective, like Fleener and Dwayne Allen did when they scored 15 touchdowns or 16 touchdowns that season. 
So there, there's there's a lot to like about Andrew Luck when he's right. He's going to need those tight ends because that wide receiver core after T.Y. Hilton. I'll tell you what though, bad. Chester Rogers is one of my favorite sleepers. Uh, you know, he he's one of those guys that could be a, a third year breakout guy. You just take late. You know, if you want to take, you know, uh, instead of taking a second quarterback with you know a third to last pick, I think he's the one that's going to emerge as that second guy. You're getting a lot of questions about Eric Ebron being a sleeper too because oh, yeah. he's kind of he's going to work as a receiver. Yes. He's not. You're not going to see him do a lot of blocking in Indianapolis. The move tight end, right? Yep. And Frank Reich came from Philadelphia, so everyone's like, "Well, Eric Ebron can be the next Zach Ertz," and I just I have a hard time buying into that. I'm all in, Dave. Are you? He's in my Are top you, twelve. You what? Eric Ebron's in my top twelve tight ends. Wow. I'm excited. Okay, now Dave's going to ruin my day because he has something to show me. Hayden Hurst has a minor soft tissue injury. This doesn't sound like any big deal. He has missed. Oh, it's the blisters. Three. He's missed, <laughs> he's missed three practices. Dave's told me now that I need to see this injury to fully understand. That That's like this to me. From everything I've heard so far, is basically it doesn't matter unless he misses a week of practice, and that causes Mark Andrews. He's not a pitcher. He's not a pitcher. Right. Blisters are not something going to ruin. Blisters his can ruin pitchers. I think he I, was I, a pitcher. I. Uh, that's true. I, I covered the Marlins back in the day, and Josh Beckett. His, uh, his career for, for his Marlins stint was derailed by blisters. We're talking about the Marlins trying to cover you, Dave, for not having this picture up. And yeah, you've not found it. If he you want, blisters. I'll just take off my shoes and show you. He has blisters on his feet. He's not been able on to practice. On his two big toes. It's just, like the skin is ripped off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's bad. It happens to all of us. Alan Robinson. Old, old, old guys and bad feet. You know, it's a bad thing. Alan Robinson not in pads at Monday's practice. This after he was supposed to be a full go. No concern yet. Is he on the pup list? He's not. I'm, I'm cool with it. But, again, you're comparing Gordon and Robinson, and the debate has to become who is on the field week one with their respective teams. Yeah, that's a good point. Mitchell Trubisky, also in Bears camp, has been inconsistent so far. Not encouraging. Not encouraging. No, No. and apparently he was the same during minicamp, but the Bears beat reporters couldn't say as much. Andy Reid expects Spencer Ware will be ready for camp. He was there today. got an encouraging uh, prognosis. They're going to take it very slow with him, though. Lamar Jackson, way ahead of the curve, according to Marty, Marty Morningweg, but also said Joe Flacco, much more mobile. Mobile Joe Flacco, what everybody's uh, looking forward to seeing. I, I think you know Joe Flacco has to look at the Alex Smith blueprint and say this has to be a career season for me because I know I'm not going to be in Baltimore or my respective team. Um, the following season, Alex Smith went out and put up career best numbers. And so uh, those guys to me feel like similar type of quarterbacks, not clearly the same players right. and same pedigree, but they they are better than I think their perception. They're better as players than the perception of them is as talents, um, but they never have the consistent success that you like to see from what you would consider to be a franchise quarterback. The only difference I would say, if they're moving to a system where being mobile would help a quarterback, Alex Smith has always had that. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. They're they're not the same type. And I probably just butchered that explanation (laughs) completely. But in in any event, uh, the the bottom line is Joe Flacco needs to try and do what Alex Smith did and know he's going to be replaced, go out and play his best, and do whatever he possibly can to make that happen. Mike Kliss expects Devontae Booker to start week one for the Broncos. Do we believe it? He could take the first carry. <laughs> Bob Condotta expects Chris Carson to open training camp as the lead back. See, this one's more interesting because the Seahawks made a pretty heavy investment in Rashad Penny. The Broncos, not that you're throwing away a third-round pick, right. but you know it, it, it's 
take the best player on the board at a position of need. That's what they did with Royce Freeman. Well, I think the phrasing is key here, too. One of them said week one. One of them said to open camp. So yeah, that's, and that's, those are different things. And that's, you know, Pete Carroll's mantra is competition for everybody except when it comes to his quarterback, which would make sense. Right, which means that Penny shows up at training camp and stinks and Carson's good, it's going to be Carson. Right. Heat. Dave, you're holding your laptop in I the can't air. find the actual photo, but I found this photo of blisters on toes. Just imagine those blisters popped and you see, like, raw skin. That was completely useless. And good for this medium, Dave. Well, well done. Jermaine Gresham is on the pup. Ricky Seals Jones, don't get suspended. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, he's one of my favorite sleeper tight ends, one of my favorite sleepers at any position. Uh, I just, again, like you said, don't get suspended. Anthony Miller, Dave sent me a message about Anthony Miller, and you're really excited. I'm excited because the Bears coaches are excited, and they're lining him up all over the place, and apparently he is showing out in training camp. So while Trubisky might be a little inconsistent and hit or miss, as inconsistent would suggest, Anthony Miller is, is doing some good things for the Bears. I got a theory. I like theories. Go ahead. Mitchell Trubisky's been very uh, inconsistent. Like I, some of these throws I've heard are that on a podcast. all over the place. They don't know where he's throwing the ball. But Anthony Miller is making all these great plays. Remember when you're in the back car, backyard playing catch and you'd say, make me dive for one? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what Anthony Miller is saying in the huddle to Trubisky so he can make fun plays on the field. Maybe. And he has been diving. That's been part of the deal. He dove for a deep ball. He caught a touchdown over his shoulder. He's, he's making some big plays out there. It feels like he's got a lot of work to do to earn every down work in Chicago. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't really go into camp thinking that was much of a possibility for him. But if he does, look, if he if he keeps making plays, the Bears can roll out in three receiver sets and he'll be out there. It sounds like Dave wants to get some Bears tickets, and we've got a better way for you to buy tickets online. Whether you're going to a game or a concert, theater, comedy, use the SeatGeek app. It's really easy to use. It saves you time and money. And if you use our promo code FFT, you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Again, that code is FFT. SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites so you don't have to. It gives every seat a grade based on value so you can easily identify the best deals. Purchasing the tickets is very quick and very easy. I've used SeatGeek a bunch of times. I took my wife to a concert thanks to SeatGeek. I've bought tickets to Marlins games using SeatGeek, and even after I used the code FFT, I still use SeatGeek because it still got me the best prices. So again, download the SeatGeek app and use the code FFT for $20 off your first purchase. That's SeatGeek, promo code FFT. We got an email reminding us that we never put Alvin Kamara under the microscope, and he is a first-round pick, so let's put a first-round pick under the microscope. Alvin Kamara, the number five overall pick, according to Fantasy Pros, in both formats. As a rookie, 728 yards on the ground, 826 yards through the air, 13 touchdowns. And I think it's interesting because his first three games, he only had 10 carries and 10 catches. He only had 134 yards in those first three games and one touchdown. The last 13 games, he averaged 14 touches per game, averaged 109 yards per game, and scored 12 touchdowns. I know people... No games with uh, over 19 touches. That was his high. Right. I know people who drafted him and then cut him after those first three weeks because he wasn't doing anything, only to watch other people pick him up off waivers and get off to the races with... with Alvin Kamara in their lineup. That's nauseating. Okay, so question one. 
Jamie, you mentioned it. Ne- never more than 19 touches in a game. He averaged 14 touches a game. I feel like at the number five overall pick, people are expecting more than 14 touches a game. How many touches can we reasonably expect? I think he'll be over 20. I don't think that means carries, though, because you know you, you look at it and, and people tend to not necessarily separate the two because he could be 14 to 15 carries a game and five to six catches a game. I think given what the offense is and what his role will be, that's realistic. The thing you have to take into account is can he handle the role? And what will all these other guys that they have do until Ingram comes back? Plus, what will Ingram do when he comes back? Because not only did Kamara not do really anything in the first four games of the season, neither did Ingram. You know, it was really once they traded Peterson, both these guys blew up. And so um, I just spoke to Ingram two weeks ago. He told me, you know, I said, what, what's it going to look like while you're gone? And he's like, Alvin's ready. You know, he, he can do it. And, you know, he's very encouraged by it. Obviously, those two guys are, are great friends, so take that into account. But uh, Jonathan Williams, Terrence West, you know, they have some young guys. Boston Scott, you know, the, these, are, these are guys that are going to, you know, fight for touches. But Sean Payton came out and said, we're not going to put too much on Alvin's plate. So it's just a matter of uh, will he be – my guess would be if I had a, you know, ballpark it, I would say 18 touches a week without Ingram there. Uh, I, I think that will, you know, put him in a, in a great situation. I just hope he doesn't break down come week 10 uh, from not only doing what he did in the first four weeks of the season, but what he's going to do once Ingram comes back. Okay, 18 touches, Dave, would be awesome at last year's efficiency. But he averaged 6.1 yards per carry. Nobody does that in back-to-back years. He averaged 10.2 but, yards per reception. What, what would you put his averages at if you had to guess? For 2018? If I was being optimistic, I would say five yards per carry and nine yards per reception. And I'd go lower than that. I think that's but, opti- like he's Basically, Jamal Charles is about the only back that does that year over year. Right, but it, I, it, I, it. I, I would expect more touches for Kamara, despite the losses in rushing and receiving averages. And I think we should expect a little bit more work for Alvin Kamara, because in those first four games... You're talking about per game or over the course of the season? Uh, certainly within the first four. And if you start there, you know, if Sean Payton's... So you're, taking, you're taking the over on 18 per game? For those first four games? Mm-hmm. I think that's a good number. I don't know if it's going to be 19. But I, I, I also don't know if there's another running back there that in the second half, in a close game, Sean Payton's going to say, yeah, make sure he's on the field instead of Kamara. Because I, I just you think... You don't trust Shane Vereen? <laughs> I think he's... I Terrence think, West. I think Pound Cam- the Rock. Listen, and this is this is a problem that I have with Mark Ingram, is that I think Kamara has a four-week window to earn trust from Sean Payton that he can carry a bigger workload and that he can be effective with it. But, Not but, necessarily 6.1 yards per carry or 10.2 yards per catch, but still uh, enough to make him very, very effective and a dangerous threat for defense. Now, that obviously could happen, clearly, um, because of Kamara's talent and, and potential. But they also have, first off, a very proven guy in Ingram who it's not like he was bad last year. No. And he's coming into oh, a situation. Oh, he was awesome. Of course. Yeah. And you have the situation of, we talk about this, we talked about this with Le'Veon, they can run Mark Ingram into the ground and have no issue with walking away from him after the season, whereas Kamara is there for two more years or three more years, depending on if they decide to do with his contract, um, if not longer. They, they have him under control cheap. So it would only make sense to if you're going to give the heavy workload to a guy who was also efficient, not to the same level of efficiency, and keep Kamara still efficient, it makes more sense, at least logically, 
that they're going to give Ingram a big workload. Well, this is this is an Alvin Kamara discussion, but you brought something up. I love Mark Ingram. If you can, but you can't him. talk about one without the other. It's yeah, just unfortunate. If you right. can get him in the fifth or sixth round, and one thing we haven't really talked about is he comes in in week five with fresh legs. And and I again I I like guys that are self aware. And I said to him, you know, do you realize what your year was last year? He goes, yeah, week five, I took off. I mean, like he was very you know cognizant of that. And and clearly the trade is is a big reason why. But this is an offensive line that's better, I think, than what it was a year ago because they're getting bodies back from last year. They they have clearly the 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 threat of a, a tremendous passing game. They play a very favorable home schedule, um, you know, where they're always the the chance for forty plus points as a team at home. It, it's it's set up to. For me, for Ingram, I agree with you, Heath. I, I think he's in a great spot. But it doesn't take away from Kamara either. Right. Because we saw last year, both guys were top 10. Now maybe they go, you know, um, take it from week five on. Maybe they both finish top 10. But if Ingram returns top 15 or top 20 value, you're fine with that. If Kamara only delivers top 12 value, maybe you're a little bit upset, especially if you take him in the first five picks. But if, if you're getting him somewhere 6 to 10, I, I think he's well worth it. I think he's worth it in that back half of round one, especially since you get a pick in round two well, that's, so soon. I think that's it's kind of the same thing that I'd say about Saquon Barkley. That's where you start kind of breaking it down with the putting a first-round pick under the microscope. He's got he's the fifth overall pick. Are you taking Kamara no. or David Johnson? Johnson. Johnson. Johnson pretty easily, I think. Would you rather have him or Kareem Hunt? Hunt. Hunt and Stan, non-PPR. I'd rather have Kamara and PPR. I, I think I agree with that. I'll and take Hunt either way. There, there's the two receivers. I, I would rather have Antonio Brown than Alvin Kamara. Agree. Agree. I, I think it. you start with Hunt. You throw in Barkley. You throw in Gordon and Fournette. I'm going to throw in Dalvin Cook. You can throw in just, Dalvin Cook. Just That's fine. Him. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but th- those are the running backs you have to compare them against, you know, in, 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 in both formats. I, I think it's easier to take him behind those guys, maybe not Cook, for everyone, but it's easier taking behind those guys in non-PPR. In PPR, I don't think the numbers change dramatically. Like, he could, in this offense, still be around, like you said, Heath, you're optimistically nine yards per catch. At 80 catches, that's still a great number. Oh, that's a bunch of, that's a bunch of yards. Right. And so when you factor in, like you said, Dave, if the workload does maybe not dramatically increase, but does increase, you know, at, at least enough to put him at close to 200 touches, what was he, 150, right, right around there? 150 total right, touches? Yeah, right around there, yeah. If he gets the 200 total touches and he goes to 5 yards per carry or 4.8 yards per carry and still 9 yards per catch, I take that's that great. Back. He had 201 touches last year. He did. Oh, so t- okay, so 250. Yeah. So put him at 250. Ooh. So uh, that that seems okay, like a lot. Okay, 225. I mean, yeah. it's going to go up. It has to go up. If he, if he plays 16 well, games. Yes. 18 times 16. If oh, he, that's way over 250. Right. Yeah. If he plays 16 games, it's going to go up because of what he's going to do in the first four games. And right. so if he gets to 225 to 250, he should return 1,300 total yards on on just the decrease in, in the averages. I To me, I'm more concerned about the touchdowns because yeah. I, I still think sure. he's going to be – I agree with you, five and nine on the averages, rushing and receiving respectively. I think if he just – if if he stays at eight, if he can get, you know, just decline to, to five touchdowns, to be at that eight touchdown mark, you'll be happy with the numbers you get from him. He could get a lot of those in the first four games. By the way, I, did, I just did the math. Let's say he averages 18 touches – over the first four weeks, and then 15 touches in the remaining 12, it is over 250 touches. Just barely, but it's there. And I think that's so possible. maybe it is possible. The, the key so, will be if his body can handle that type of workload over a full season. I think it helps that he's already played a year in the NFL, and he knows what to expect, and he got his body right this offseason. He's not coming into the season with any major surgeries or anything nope. like that. He just has to stay healthy. I, and he, he was so incredible to watch this year because defenders would, like, slide off of him when they tried to tackle him. Well, it's him. the perfect tandem. I mean, you have, 
you know, not that Ingram can't be a finesse running back because he's been great out of the backfield. People overlook his receiving ability, but he's clearly more of a physical presence than what Ingram, than what Kamara is. And so those two guys work well with each other. There's no ego involved with the two of them. They work well in the passing game. It, it, it's, it's really one of those situations where, you know, they, they can make it work as they did last year. So now we've put Alvin Kamara under the microscope and we still love him but the fifth overall pick might be a little bit high. Let's talk about our two QB mock draft that we did last week. And we're going to talk about the Saints again with the first question. But first, I think we should break down. This league was a little different than a lot of the leagues we do. Only 10 teams. We did have three wide receivers. And quarterbacks fell a little... Half PPR. Mm -hmm. So Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, the only quarterbacks taken in the first round. Jamie, I know you think it's crazy to take Drew Brees in the first round. How crazy is it to have Brees as the number two quarterback? You have to be pretty optimistic those touchdowns are going to bounce back in a big way. And so then it comes down to what we just talked about. Can Kamara and and Ingram be as successful rushing the ball? Because Breeze was still very efficient. You know, completion percentage was off the charts. But I think 23 touchdowns was all he threw. Um, all he passed for. That, that's not going to happen again if he's throwing the ball as much as he typically does. Yeah, and, so. I, and I, you can go back to that touchdown percentage because he's been his worst year – was 5% touchdown rate since 2007. Last year, it fell to 4.3. And so, you know, they bring in a guy that, you know, clearly could help. I, I, it can't be worse than Willie Sneed in terms of Cameron Meredith. You know, Ted Ginn still does what he does. Um, he has, you know, even though Ben Watson's 37, you saw the last time Watson was with him in the first year without Jimmy Graham, and he was very successful on 109 targets. So um, better tight end play, you know, should certainly help because that's been a big weapon for, for Breeze. So... It would not be out of their own possibility for him to be a top five, top three, number one quarterback. He's done it so many times. So he's older, better run game, better defense. But, you know, he, he's, he's, he's been a value pick. I mean, we saw, I forget it was, I think it was our last non-PPR draft. He went around nine. That's insane. That's never going to happen in, in most, um, you know, I'll use quotes, regular drafts. But uh, it wouldn't be a surprise if he slips to around five or around six. Where do you guys have Breeze ranked? Sixth right now, but I would not hesitate to put him fifth. Like the the one guy I had him behind, which was stupid on my part, was Carson Wentz. Like he he's he's if Wentz was 100 percent, it's a different conversation. But the fact that he may not be right, Nashon Jeffrey may not be right. Breeze's bounce back upside for me is better than Wentz. I think it's hard to love Drew Breeze and Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. See, I don't know all in the same offense. So much of Kamara's is... production comes from Drew Brees. Sure, there's a lot of that, but there's a lot of production that Kamara and Ingram do and a lot of we just talked about getting 250 touches for Kamara. Even if we say 75 80 catches, that's still a lot of carries for him and then when Ingram comes back, he's going to be in the ballpark of 12 carries. But per wasn't Brees great with Pierre Thomas and Reggie Bush? That's not the same. Those two didn't produce like Ingram and Kamara. No, did but last I mean it's still a very good running back tandem. What's sure, this, but what? I think that team back then was way more pass-savvy and pass-focused than they are now. So give give Breeze the same attempts, same yards, but put him at 35 touchdowns. That's not possible? That would be amazing. I, I don't think we can... How many did he have last year? 23. 23. I think 30 is I don't think well he can get to 35. I don't think... Not I, with the receivers Well, but he, he doesn't have to get to 35 to be a top three quarterback. 30 would probably... Yeah, 34 was the leader last year with Will, yeah. Will Wilson. 37 I, total. I have a little bit of a hot take. I think he's the number one quarterback after week four. When everybody's back. Uh -huh. I think without Ingram, they, they're not going to give the ball to Kamara 25 times a game. He, they've already said that. Though I don't know that they're going to love their other options. I think their schedule starts off very favorable the first four weeks of the year. Tampa Bay and Cleveland so at you home think, you think from, this, from the 
I don't understand though. Do you think from the suspension from weeks one through four, one through four, Breeze, Breeze will be, be number, number one. one? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought yes. you said from. I, I could have sworn I heard you say from week. No, four. I, when week four ends, I think he will be the. And I think he'll fall off a little when gotcha. Ingram comes back because they get back to running the ball a little bit more. But I, I think he's going to get off to a really hot start. Yeah. Sure. I think, and and I look, think you know, smart. he he may be thinking in the back of his head too. I'm a year older. Uh, people think maybe I'm slipping a little bit. You know, I remember talking to Ingram because I speak to Ingram almost every offseason that two years ago, this was right after the draft. So they had drafted Kamara and they had signed Peterson at this point. Or maybe it was after they signed Peterson. But uh, the, all three guys were on the roster. And I said, you know, it seems as if you guys are trending toward a, a little bit more of a running team. And he said, you know, Drew's fine with this. You know, he just wants to win at this point in his career. So uh, it, the way it played out clearly showed that he's okay with it because yep. they were great. But you have to wonder, okay, I did that for a year. Now I got a little bit of time left in this league. I'm going to go for five grand again. I'm going to go for 40 touchdowns again. You know, it it, it could happen. We, we will can find I, out. Can yes. I bring up something else yep. that just puts more rain on this Drew Brees parade down Bourbon Street? Sure. sure. The defense is much better now in New Orleans. I do think the defense is much better. And, and I think that showed last year because he went from 673 pass attempts in 2016 to 536. In 2017, but I think that's he threw right. over that, 100 fewer passes. Yeah, I, I just th- there's one thing we always you know talk about this. Adam brings this up a, a lot: is does does good defense really hurt a quarterback? Because while they're not chasing points as much, the ball is in their hands more often. Well, but in this case, the ball is in his hands to hand off more too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think last year was a combination of both things: run game better, defense better. So. But still, and, and you, you I could, think the receiving core, you could say, was a little worse last year. It was. Overall. That's why they bring I'm in not two saying guys. Michael Thomas. Well, they, up, they, up, they upgraded their number three receiver, and they upgraded their tight end this year. Yes. That was a Kobe Fleener slam. <laughs> Only four other quarterbacks <laughs> taken in the next three rounds, which I thought was a lot different than what we're used to seeing in our two QB drafts. By, Russell Wilson, Brady, Watson, and Cam. At the end of the fourth round, just six quarterbacks off the board. By round six, only one owner had two QBs. That is, I think that's better, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what you should expect. I think and it's more reflective of what the quarterback market yes. is right now. It's more reflective of what I, I think people are viewing quarterbacks. And, and again, we should probably say this every time we review a mock draft. Obviously, our drafts are going to look different than what your drafts are going to look like because it's just the nature of how we're, you know, it's not just the three of us and Adam and Chris and everyone that, you know, you, you read or, or listen to. It's also the people around us because of the, the producers who do the drafts with us, they listen to us constantly, you know, beating home this point of waiting on a quarterback and they see the way we're drafting, you know, so they're, they're smart, savvy fantasy drafters. They're, they're waiting also. Um, but I'm encouraged by the fact that Aaron Rodgers ADP is number 24 overall. Yes. Usually we have a quarterback that's, that's in the first top, you know, top 10 or something. It's going to climb round. though. It'll climb a little bit, yeah. you know, especially when you start to factor in the two quarterback drafts. But, you know, the, I, I think the fact that, this draft was was certainly reflective of what the the market is right now, and you know what we said at the, the start of the show. Rivers is a is a number two quarterback. You can get twenty guys that can help your team. There's there's just, it's such a deep position. So let's talk about our teams just a little bit. Jamie, you waited till the fifth round to take a quarterback. Took Carson Wentz with the second pick of the fifth round. Your next quarterback was Jameis in the ninth, and Trubisky in the twelfth. Now, we'll go over the full rosters in just a minute, and it is a 10-team league. These rosters are ridiculous. I was Jamie said it in the middle of the draft, and I was struck by it too. In a 10-team league, you just get everybody you want. It's, it's a lot of fun, you know, and, and I think if you play in leagues that are 12-team leagues to begin with, uh, you know, keep the same leagues you're in, but maybe talk to, 
nine other people in your league and say, hey, let's do another one just for fun. You know, may, maybe not put up, uh, you know, an entry fee or anything. Just just to experience it because it literally is like picking a, a Pro Bowl team. You know, you just have the opportunity like, okay, I, I missed on this receiver. Well, the guy like right behind him is going to be there two rounds later. You know, I missed on this quarterback. I, I can still get somebody. So it, it it does lend itself to, to a lot of fun and a lot of talent. And, you know, the one position is typically going to be quarterback in, in this league is, you know, you may not get two guys that you absolutely love, or you might, you know, depending on if you take two guys early. How confident do you feel that you have two starting quarterbacks week one? <laughs> that, well, <laughs> so I, I think that's one thing to, to, to consider. Um, and this can be piggybacked off of just doing the Scott Fishbowl. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to not get drafted right. in most leagues. So you can have the Tampa Bay as lovely as that is, the Tampa Bay quarterback duo. Um, <laughs> in a 10-team league, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, that, could be, yeah. <laughs> that could be fun. Yeah. Wentz could, and Carson Wentz could absolutely be ready week one. But And Nick Foles didn't get drafted either. So yeah. oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't even factoring Wentz. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> Nick, Nick Foles uh, could be, should be available in, in, in this format. So well, yes, it's not the, uh, the ideal situation. If Wentz is not right, uh, but if Wentz is right, I feel pretty confident that I have you know one borderline stud for the beginning of the season, and then as we've talked about, Winston led the NFL in passing yards, uh, prorating his eleven healthy games a year ago. Okay, so you've got Winston, Wentz, and Trubisky at quarterback. Let's run down the rest of the roster. Do you have it up, or do you want me to read it off? No, I have it. Okay, um, I started. I had the second overall pick, so I took Le'Veon Bell. Um, my running backs are Le'Veon Bell, and again, 10-team league, where quarterbacks are going to go earlier. Dalvin Cook was available in round two. That's probably not going to happen even in 10-team leagues. So I have Bell, Cook, uh, Darius Geis, on Johnson, and then I made the uh, conscious decision to I, – I, I did some jumping around my rankings, but I took both Ty Montgomery and Aaron Jones. So with the hope that one of those two guys, if Jamal Williams fails once Jones is back or Montgomery, like we saw last year, gets off to a good start – I have potentially the Packers starting running back there. So uh, I like my running back group. My receivers um, are, again, as Heath mentioned, three-receiver league. And, again, this won't happen in the 10-team league, but Devontae Adams was my pick in round three. So to go Bell, Cook, and Adams in any event, uh, obviously hoping Josh Gordon is fine too. But Devontae (laughs) Adams, Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman are my three receivers. I could have a real bad team to start (laughs) the season. Um, Glad we're not playing this one out. I'm trying to figure out who you're going to drop to pick up starters for week one. Uh, That's the problem with this. You know, so – uh, but my receivers, uh, assuming everyone is healthy or on the field come week one, I'll deal with the Edelman uh, receiver spot. But Adams, Gordon, Edelman, uh, Will, Will Fuller, Fuller, and Cooper, Cooper Cup. Cup. Yep. So, uh, again, I, I like that. The only position really that I don't like, again, <laughs> barring the <laughs> the what could happen, is tight end. But I'm, I'm fine with Jack Doyle. I, I disagree with Heath. I think that Jack Doyle is still the best tight end for the Colts because of the rapport he has with Andrew Luck. All right, Dave, you took Patrick Mahomes with the ninth pick of the seventh round, turned around and took your sleeper quarterback, Matt Ryan, in the eighth, and then Eli Manning in the tenth. Yeah, and I'm thrilled with this. I've got, I've got a high upside quarterback in Mahomes. I've got a quarterback that I think can bounce. I've got two quarterbacks behind him who I think can bounce back, and between the three of them, I think I can find two starters every week. My goal was to just get quarterbacks, A, that I wanted, and B, that seemed like they were at a decent value. Didn't necessarily try and steal them like I would in a one-quarterback league. I'll tell you, I had the second-to-last pick in the, in the odd rounds. I was picking ninth overall, and Deshaun Watson went right in front of me in round three. Would have absolutely taken him then. I think it was round four. 
No, it's round three. You sure? I'm looking at it right now on my computer screen. So unless I'm somehow no, reading I'm this sure right. I'm, I'm just... I'm I, just I, blocked I, by the blisters. Yeah. D- Watson went to Marone Berkson in that round, and then I had to take Doug Baldwin. I wasn't going to take another quarterback there. I wanted to wait a little bit. And I almost felt fortunate to get Mahomes because the quarterback run that inevitably happens in these two quarterback leagues happened in round seven. Going right in front of me in round seven, Luck, Garoppolo, Roethlisberger, Stafford. All four of them and Mahomes were in my queue. And if Mahomes had won that round, I would have been in big trouble at quarterback, which is why in round eight I didn't play games. I took Matt Ryan. And then I knew coming back when I was up again in rounds nine and ten, I'd had to get another quarterback then in there. So you got Ertz and Kittle at tight end. That's obviously awesome. You got Baldwin, Tate, Beckham, and Crabtree at receiver. That's fantastic. Yeah. I got Alvin Kamara with my first overall pick in nine and how do you feel about the rest of your running backs? Well, I'm a fan of Ronald Jones. I think he's the best running back in Tampa. So I'm going to continue to draft him and consider him a starter until that changes. In this format, uh, is it half PPR? I, I love the receivers even more. Baldwin, Tate, and Odell are going to catch a ton of passes. I even got Michael Crabtree to be my fourth receiver. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah you're, so, I, I think, I, I think it, the only thing I saw that I was were the running backs, right? w- worried about was the running backs. So my bench running you want me just to go over the whole team just here? Just give us all the running backs. Well, I think most everybody knows what the team is already because we've talked about it, but the running backs are Kamara, Ronald Jones, and then we've got Chris Thompson, Carlos Hyde, Corey Clement, Peyton Barber, because i got to lock up that big connection in Tampa Bay. That's it. And normally I get even more running backs than this, but because it's a two quarterback league, I had to get a third quarterback and I couldn't pass up Georgie Kittle later on in the draft. I did not take a quarterback until the ninth round. You were the last one to take a number one guy. Yes. You weren't the last one to take a number two guy. No, I ended up taking quarterbacks with four straight picks, which I don't think I've ever done before. But I took Alex Smith in the ninth round. I took Tyrod Taylor in the 10th round. I took Andy Dalton in the 11th round. I took Dak Prescott in the 12th round. That's a scary group, but I feel pretty confident I'm going to be able to find two solid starters on a week-to-week basis. I think think that's kind of cool. And I don't know if you could pull that off again in this type of a draft. Those four. No, I think you could. Those four? Because I think they're so varied that one of them should be very good. I would good. love this group if this was a four-point-per-pass touchdown league. Because yeah. of all the rushing touchdowns. Because of all yeah. the rushing totals Potential. that you've got there. But by doing that, I ended up with this group. My running backs are Ezekiel Elliott, Alex Collins, Mark Ingram, Rashad Penny, and Gio Bernard. That's Great. studly. My receivers are Michael Thomas, T.Y. Hilton, Larry Fitzgerald, Devontae Parker. I went with a friendship strategy at the end. Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills. Yeah. And I've got Jimmy Graham at tight end. So you just hope the quarterback so don't you know what? kill you. I like what you did. And this is this is what it looks like when you wait for a quarterback in a two-quarterback league, especially with 10 teams. Your team's stacked. Your team is loaded, yep. and you can just well, go ahead and play I, the field I, at quarterback. I, I want to go over two teams because the one team that drafted the two quarterbacks early, or had, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the first team to fill their two starting quarterbacks, how that team looks, and then the guy who actually waited for his second quarterback um, later than you did, which was R.J. White. So he and he, I think he took his first guy right before you took your first guy also. So he yes. waited and then waited a little bit longer. But uh, so Marone Berkson, one of our producers, he took Deshaun Watson in the third round. I'm sorry, what and a then jerk. Kirk Cousins in the sixth round. His other, the rest of his team, he's got Kareem Hunt, Jarek McKinnon, Royce Freeman, and uh, Deontay Foreman at running back, which is fine. He's got. Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, 
Randall Cobb, Marquise Godin, Calvin Ridley. That's great. His tight end is Jordan Reed, which, if he's right, is good. But he also, not only did he take the two quarterbacks, lock up his quarterbacks first, he also took Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill. I think one of those guys is a little bit of a wasted pick. Yeah. Just because I don't think he needs four. Because if you're going to invest heavily in quarterback, you should feel pretty confident that the two guys are going to be great. Your situation is different. Right. You don't have... I might be streaming four guys. Right. So I, I think he could have maybe taken a little bit more depth someplace else. The other team is the one who waited on the second quarterback, and it was an interesting debate on Case Keenum in our draft room. Case Keenum versus Blake Bortles, and who will actually be better. These are the types of things that happen in our draft room. Yes. Uh, but in any event, the the two quarterbacks for this particular owner, uh, R.J. White, our NFL, one of our NFL editors, is Jimmy Garoppolo and Case Keenum. So not the best group, clearly. <laughs> and his third quarterback is Baker and Mayfield. And his third quarterback is Baker Mayfield. But similar to Heath's team, looks into the rest of what this roster is. So his running backs are Joe Mixon, Jordan Howard, Jay Ajayi, Rex Burkhead, Chris Ivory with the you know potential of LaShawn McCoy maybe being suspended, and Duke Johnson. That's a great group. His receiving core, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, Richard Matthews, Robert Woods. Studs. And then Gronk. Whew. So great everywhere except for really Keenum, if Garoppolo was right. Right. So, you know, this is what waiting on a quarterback looks like. To an extreme, I think a little bit more so than your situation. We did have an email about Superflex Leagues, which are so similar to QB Leagues. Can you please talk about strategies for Superflex Leagues? I'm in a 12-team PPR league, six points for passing touchdown. Where would you prioritize QBs in a league like this, knowing that the top 24 will be drafted at least? And it's from Ryan. The first thing I would say is, Ryan, all the quarterbacks are getting drafted. If you're a starting quarterback in a super flex league, I would expect everyone's going to get drafted. So in, in the Scott Fishbowl League, which is a super flex league, I took five quarterbacks. Yeah. Now that's 20 backups. Yeah. It's 22 rounds. Well, I, I didn't take any backups. Okay. Uh, except, well, I, sorry. I took one backup because I took the Cardinals quarterbacks. So I'm going to end up cut. I'm assuming Bradford will get hurt. <laughs> so uh, if Rosen wins the job, I'll cut Bradford. If Bradford gets hurt, I'll cut Bradford. Um, but either way, you're cutting Bradford with the 21st round or 22nd round. For some reason, Josh McCown was just sitting there. Figured, why not? Now there's no trading in this league, but if McCown starts 10 games, right, I may use him a week or two. Who were your other quarterbacks? So I took Roethlisberger was the first quarterback I drafted, and I just pulled it up here to see where I took him. I took him in round five, and then I took Eli Manning as my second quarterback, which was in round 10. So. So no, I, I felt pretty good with that. Right. I wouldn't have liked your strategy if you had taken two bona fide stud quarterbacks, nothing to worry about. But you didn't do that. Roethlisberger, he could always miss some time during the season. And Eli, we think Eli could have a nice year based on how we're projecting his teammates. But there's no guarantee he's going to be great. So I think by you doing what you did, it makes sense. But I took Rosen in round 13 and Bradford in round 16. So 5, yep. 10, 13, 16, 21. I'm fine with that. The biggest thing I would say about that is because we don't know how they're going to be drafted in your league, especially in a super flex league. You just don't worry so much about the round. Watch what quarterbacks are left. You don't want to let that get away. You tier from it. You. Yes. You know, exactly. you, you look at it and say, okay, this is the last guy I have in this tier. I'll take that guy. Before the tier runs out. Yep. Dear Richard, Ehrlich, Dinesh, and oh, wait, but Just back up for one second. Do you, do you feel a need to have to have a quarterback in this super flex spot? In a six-point per pass touchdown league, yes. In a four-point, without, no. without a doubt, though. In even even PPR, I still would. Yes. Obviously, it's a priority. Right. But your team's not lost. 
It's not. No, I mean, if, if you don't necessarily have to have a bye week replacement, you can start a receiver in there on your quarterback bye week. Yep. So, dear Richard Ehrlich, Dinesh, and Gilfoyle, I love you guys. You're my best friends, but sometimes best friends fight. None of you must have drafted Devontae Adams at his projected third round ADP the year Jordy tore his ACL. Well, I did, and I finished dead last in my league, was ridiculed mercilessly by my friends, and had to be the beer fetcher at the following year's draft. As a second-year player, Devontae Adams was named the wide receiver one for Green Bay, and he went on to catch 50% of his targets and finished with 480 yards and one touchdown. One! At that time, everyone said Adams simply couldn't compete with number one corners. So here we are again. Nelson gone. Adams will compete against the top corners in the league. In the second or third round, I wouldn't touch him with a 39-and-a-half-foot pole. Tell me what's different now. He got a lot better. Pretty sure he was up against number one corners last year. With the worst uh, quarterback. He just, he the just improved. He played with a bad quarterback last year, and he was much more efficient than he was that year. He wasn't I, ready. I, I remember talking to him at the Pro Bowl, and I said, you know, do you feel more accomplished being here? And clearly the Pro Bowl isn't the same that it used to be, but do you feel more accomplished being here without Aaron Rodgers helping you get here? And he said, 100%. I mean, yeah. clearly, you know, he, 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 he feels like you're getting the, the, the biggest gift of all. You're getting to play with, you know, arguably the best quarterback in football right now. After establishing yourself as as the guy, yes, he could clearly struggle two games versus Xavier Rhodes, two games versus Darius Slay. Those are great cornerbacks. He's going to face them four times over the season. I don't know the rest of their schedule off the top of my head, but you know it's, it's going to be some tough competition. Is he going to struggle? Probably, but right. he's also going to have a lot of great moments. Yeah, he's improved as a receiver. We've got one more email. Mostly wanted to do this one for the intro just to see if you guys knew what it was. Dear Smokey, Craig, and Debo. Friday. That way. Mm. Yes. First, let's put this pizza debate to rest. Wilkes Scranton, Pennsylvania pizza is better than both New York and Chicago. Whoa. What? Home of Old Forge style fried pizza and the tomato capital. So that's that debate's over. Jamie, you ever have that pizza? No. I know you're out in Pennsylvania that way. Every year there is an underdrafted suspended player. Last year was Zeke. The year before was Le'Veon. Who is the suspended player to target this year? Put your team over the top. I'll squeeze in a Mark Ingram here and then let everybody else talk about who. I think there's two. It's yeah. Ingram and Edelman. I mean, you know, depending on how late you can get those guys, they could really set your team apart. Winston would be the third, and then hopefully it's not a fourth if Gordon, but I think if Gordon's suspended, he's done for the year. So um, those three guys could clearly be difference makers. They're, you're, you're not taking them first or second round, like we were talking about with Bell and with Would you take them in the third or fourth round? I would take Ingram in the fourth round if my team was in a good spot and running backs were just gone, you know, like if I had two, two stud receivers and, and one of the three tight ends, you know, with my first three picks. Sure. Well, and I think that like where you're doing it at the end of the fourth, it's either end of the fourth or start of the fifth. And you probably started with one of Le'Veon, Gurley, David Johnson, one of those guys. Yeah. You could have gone you're not, stud running fourth. back with two receivers, right? Looking for that second running back. And then you can go, uh, this isn't something I would do because I'm not taking Ingram in round four or five, but you could do Ingram and then one of the rookie running backs right I, after. I love. I, I, I see him in round five. I'm taking him. Every yeah, time. yeah. I'm not getting round him. four. I'm not. I'm not quite. But I, sure. I, I'm doing the same with Edelman in PPR. I know I'm probably the only guy doing that, but I, I just think what, like what I've seen from his prorated numbers based on his averages. I mean, he could still be 75 catches over 12 games. And I feel like his role is. As solid as cement. I don't think that there's anything that's going to change his role in New England when he comes back. Unless and, Jordan Matthews is a star. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. I think even if Jordan I, Matthews I, is a star, I don't I, think Julian Edelman's going to lose his his role. 
as being that, he that could sure-handed lose, slot he, guy he or has, Tom Brady. He has to get a bunch of targets. He's not efficient he's, per target. He's done basis. that. He's right. given you nine targets. But he, what I'm game. saying, he doesn't have to lose his whole role. He could, if he loses a, a fourth of his role, his fantasy production is there anybody in this room that thinks that that could happen? I think it's possible. Yes. Wow. Wow. I'm not saying it's going, but I think it's certainly possible. Well, I think anything he may not could be, be the same player. He, we haven't. That might be true. We'll find that out during training camp. And if it certainly comes out that he's just not, if he's a little stiff or if he's not practicing that often, then yeah, maybe you feel that way. But the big problem I have with Ingram is that not only do you lose him for the four games, he's also got the bye two weeks later, and there's no guarantee that he's going to get immense work when he comes back. Because could, of he could still get Because of Kamara, because of maybe somebody else, and maybe because of even Drew Brees. I, I, I think it's funny. Well, you... you you were raining on Drew Brees before. I, I think it's funny, though, that you're poo-pooing Jordan Matthews taking work away from Julian Because Edelman. it's Jordan Matthews, that's but why. You're not not poo- com- but you're not poo-pooing Jonathan Williams and Terrence West and their ability it to, might not to be crush them. It could be Mark somebody Ingram. Else. No, no, I don't think they'll crush Mark Ingram. All right. I, I, I want to draft Mark Ingram if I'm getting 15 touches per week and I can set my watch oh, to it. Oh, he's getting 15 touches oh, yeah. per I week. I don't know 15 carries. 15 carries. I, you know what? Then I'm going to look bad. Discussion on and I'll deal with it. Oh, no, i got to give you one more suspended player. One more. Last one. Real quick. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Out two weeks. You can get him late. We will talk to you a little later in the week, and hopefully we'll talk to Adam later too. Bye.